Hello and welcome to episode 40 of the Critical Twits Gaming Podcast. Today we're going to discuss deck building games from Dominion all the way up to Mystic Vale. I'm Brian Ennis. I'm Aaron Ravinsky. And I'm Joe Lewin. And we are the Critical Twits. Today we're going to be talking about deck building games. Uh, specifically, we're going to take you through a history of deck building games from the very first originator of the uh, genre, Dominion, all the way through Arctic Scavengers, which put a neat little player versus player twist in, um, via last year's Cthulhu Realms. Uh, and ending up with a game that came out last month? I'm going to say last month because I've done my research. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Mystic Veil, vale, uh, which uh, completely changes the way deck builders work, but doesn't really, but does a bit, and it's quite good. Yes, so um, for those who are of an uncertain disposition, mm. nervous and coy, and know nothing of what we speak, Aaron, what is a deck building game? Well, for a start, you probably shouldn't call it a game. Okay. Because it's quite dangerous. But deck building, at least, is where you uh, construct a wooden architecture. Now, the first thing you will need to do in any deck building game, if that's what you want to go down for, is just lay out the sort of the area you want to build it for. Then you'll probably need some wood, um, some screws, uh, hard to- hardware tools. Um. Do they build things up, these decks out of things other than wood? Um, well, I've seen some people do it with with paving slab stuff. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. You know, it gets a bit weighty and it sinks under its own weight. Yes, <laughs> I thought a deck building was where you had a fist fight with an office block. <laughs> uh, Joe, what actually is a deck building game? A deck building game is a game in which each player will start with a identical small deck of normally about 10 cards yeah uh, what you then do is you use those cards to generate some form of resource which you use to buy other cards which go into your discard pile once you've used all your pre-generated basic deck everything gets shuffled about so the cards you've bought go into your new deck and you carry on playing and each turn you will be trying to buy things to generate more resources to buy more things and in its basic terms it's a card game where you do shopping that's themed. <laughs> <laughs> themed shopping card game. Yes. Yeah. Why didn't they call it a themed shopping card game? A TSCG, because for sure. the reason they didn't call them that is because it sounds ridiculous. It does, doesn't it? Um, yes, very much so. Um, now, we've played quite a few deck builders. We have. We've played some of them quite often. We have played others of them, not not at all. Um, That worked better in my head. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We won't be talking about those in great length, though, thankfully. But they're a fairly new genre in the world of board games. Dominion was developed by Donald X. Vaccarino. Vaccarino. That's an awesome name. It is, isn't it? Yeah. I can't help but think that if you want your offspring to become successful, you need to give them... An X or a Z for yeah. their real name. So we've all played Dominion. We yep. have. Two of us own it, and it's not me. Mm. Well, that, that was a weird way of saying you two both own the game. It is, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but both us and our fans are used to your weird terminologies. <laughs> yes, I like to um, inject the podcast with linguistic inventiveness. Yeah, Don- Dominion 2008, Donald X Vaccarino. You guys both own a copy. Yeah. I think most board gaming collections, um, or board gaming groups at least, will will have Dominion. Yeah, it's become one of those staple games for a lot of groups. Yeah. What do we think then? Just to start, we're not going to linger on Dominion too long because it's been eight years. We will move on to some of the newer stuff. But what do we think it was about Dominion and that style of game that has become so massively massively popular well people like building decks for things like magic the gathering and pokemon yep and you're including that 
in its own little self-contained game. Yeah, it's quite simple. Dominion was nice for like depending on the personality types of your group. Yes, um, <clears throat> because it's not got any real conflict in it. Yeah, it's it's like four people sitting there playing a single-player game at the same time. Yeah, it's it's that mechanical satisfaction. Like you said, it's going to depend on the game group and whether what they're looking for um, in a game and things like that but knowing that you're doing one thing that will cascade onto another thing that will work onto another thing has got a very zen-like satisfaction to it as you're building up and things are working perfectly in your little system yeah it's all about crafting a well-oiled machine yeah you buy one of these cards and then that helps with this other card and then these two abilities chain together yeah uh, so you might pick a lot of cards that generate lots of money or let you discard things and then you take a card that if it's discarded it gives you something else so that the abilities work in sync yeah. so I think for me I quite like deck builders as a puzzle yes mm-hmm. and I think one of the good things that Dominion does is it has a selection of different cards that change each time yeah. and there are loads and loads and loads and loads of expansions for Dominion yes which <clears throat> one of the things while, we're, while we are on Dominion is the, the base game itself doesn't have that much interaction or conflict between players yes that is added in in expansions there yeah. are expansions that are much more allow you to play much more aggressively and start trying to mess with your opponent rather than just trying to make the better thing yourself yeah, yeah. because vanilla Dominion is just medieval shopping. There is apparently now over 200 um, different kingdom cards over the various Mm -hmm. expansions, uh, which apparently leads to 22 quadrillion different combinations for the initial setup of the game. Because you take one card from each set and deal out a number in the middle... And then that changes what's available, which is a huge time. amount of replayability. Yeah, but you'd have to have a lot of money to be able to get that replay bit from one game. Yeah, because they're about 30, 40 quid a box. They are. Yeah. And but if you're really, really into it, yeah. then you can keep adding new things in and go very, very deep. So yeah, I mean, we're not here to review Dominion, no, no. Um, but more to, to give people an, an idea as, um, of what it's like if they're not sure, or just to sort of recap it and, and sort of it, and try to try to understand its popularity. I think. Yeah, well, that's the first of its kind. It was it was unique. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's a very good starting point for deck builders. Although yeah. I'd argue there's probably better investments for you nowadays. I know things like Legendary and Versus are both deck builders, I believe. Yeah, yeah, they're advertised um, that, certainly. So they might, I believe they're, I'm led to believe by our local hobby shop that they yeah. are very good games that might be a good place to start. Yeah. But if you like nice, non-aggressive... If you're a Euro gamer. Yes, very much so. Dominion is, is very good. Yeah. Yes, and one of the sort of the, the one of I'm not saying it is the first, but one of the first games to sort of add in a more um, directly interactive social element to the game uh, was Arctic Scavengers, which originally came out in 2009. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, at the end of last year, 2015, they released the base game plus the two expansions. Yeah. Uh, in the same box, which is the version of the game that I have. Mm. Which uh, the two expansions are HQ and Recon. Yes. And we played quite a bit of Dominion when we first got into mm. deck building games. Yeah. Like, oh, look at this. This is amazing. A couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah. uh, since I bought Arctic Scavengers, I haven't played Dominion. I've not wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> since. Yeah. I have, but only because. You don't own Arctic Scavengers? Possibly a little bit, yeah. but no, I find Dominion's quite a nice uh, two-player game, so again, it's quite nice to play mm-hmm. with my wife, mm. um, and again, because that lack of conflict, you can have that lack of conflict in its own yeah. work, so I've still come back to enjoy it, but yeah. I like Arctic Scavengers more. Yes. Um, for me, it's it's added in a more overt style of conflict, even in... Um, Dominion itself, when it's sort of tweaked with the expansions, it's not quite as directly aggressive. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. um, as Arctic Scavengers. Um, so Arctic Scavengers sort, sort of changed up. Arctic Scavengers has a completely different theme. Mm-hmm. You are scavengers yep. in the next Ice Age. Yes. Uh, looking for food, resources, weaponry, and people for your sort of post-apocalyptic settlement. Yeah. And rather than collecting victory points on cards that don't do a lot, you actually you're collecting new members of your tribe. Some of which don't do a lot. You can rescue uh, refugee families. Yeah. But you can hire gangs of thugs, for instance. Yeah. That yeah. have an effect in the game as well as score new victory points as such. Yes. People are victory points in this game for the most part. Yeah. yeah. Now, we actually talked quite a lot about Arctic Scavengers back in episode six of part one. Back in the old days when we used to have double part or triple part episodes yeah. where we all had verbal diarrhoea and didn't realise that you could edit podcasts <laughs> uh, and cut things down for simplicity's sake. We'll pop a link to episode six, part one, so you can have a listen. But Joe, Joe wasn't the critical twit back then. No. He was but a regular civilian. Yeah, so Joe, you talk about Arctic Scavengers, because okay. we've talked about it loads, yeah. um, but I'm quite interested in your, your opinion, see if they mesh with ours. I, I like Arctic Scavengers. Um, again, it is, it's very similar to Dominion, you do things very similarly. Um, I like the theme to it, the whole post-apocalyptic setting is uh, is appealing, and I like the the PvP elements that it's got in there yeah so because you will compete over resources and you can start um, disarming and sniping people and doing all this kind of stuff it it adds a, another level to the game where you're yeah. not just competing against the game itself yeah and yeah. trying to create combos you're doing that while other people are trying to get in your way yes Yes. Or you're getting in their way, which is something yeah. I know we pretty much all enjoy doing. One of the reasons I, I used to quite like it is sometimes with these conflict games, when this happens, you can get stuck in a rut or feel like you can't yeah. compete back. Artist scavengers feel quite balanced, so even if you're not got quite a good gang to defend yourself, there's always someone else you can be going off doing two score points. If you can't win that way, it's there's avenues for you to explore rather than yeah. being funneled down a particular route. There's always a manipulation of probability in deck building games. Yeah. Like how many of these cards, what ratio of this card to that card do I need to have the best chance of drawing <clears throat> the, the hand that I want? Yeah. Or to be able to draw more cards and get, get what I need. Arctic Scavengers, I think, has sort of complicated that by having an extra phase to the game mm-hmm. the skirmish that happens um, at the end what happens in, in, a, in a regular deck builder usually is you draw your hand generally five, five cards you will activate the abilities use what you can either purchase more cards or um, get Re- some other reward yeah, somehow remove waste from your deck yeah, remove waste from your from your deck or turn a card into a different card using an ability or whatever it might be that you're doing, and then you're done. And any cards that don't quite fit, so say you've got those two cards that work really well together, but you've only drawn one of them, and it doesn't work particularly well on its own, it just kind of gets discarded at the end of your turn and, and play moves on. Yeah. What Arctic Scavengers does is those cards that aren't used or cards that you decide to keep pack on purpose go down. And they represent a raiding party from your tribe going off and having a skirmish over some important bit of tech or a family that's turned up. One player knows what it is because they get to peek. Uh, The other players don't. And quite often this brings in kind of an element to me Mm -hmm. of a different kind of game altogether. It brings in an element of sort of bluffing, of manipulation, of sort of table talk and trying to psych each other out yeah there's um, a lot of kind of poker facing with the amount of cards you put down whether they're in yeah. use or not or whether you're just throwing three spears out into the middle of the waste and hoping that'll attract a family of raiders yeah because you didn't have anyone to use the spears and you haven't built an efficient machine or you were just yeah. unlucky yeah. with your draws so it's quite to me it brings in a whole other element and I really like those kinds of games that let you directly influence bluff lie cheat and steal from the people around the table god i sound like a terrible person 
Yeah, I completely agree. Um, adding in that extra, the, the skirmishing, is a really nice addition to the genre. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it definitely had a. It was definitely a piece that was missing from Dominion. Yeah, it's because yeah. With Dominion, even when you're playing and, and messing with people, you're targeting one person yeah. and one person and one person. Whereas this, everybody yeah. has a a moment where everyone's fighting each other. Yeah, yeah, and I like that. There's yeah. more time at the table where you're interacting with each other. Yeah. The other thing I quite like that it does is you've got your um, selection of things you can buy. Generally, they're people to recruit. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me but you can also go to the junkyard mm-hmm. now junkyard is a big stack of cards uh, that are randomised and you can go digging through the junk and certain cards let you take more out of the junkyard yeah. um, so you might you might just send one person off draw one card and you decide whether or not to keep it because you can just actually find junk yeah. which is of no use um, or you could send three or four people or someone with a shovel. You take more than one card, look through, take the one that you want the most, keep it and put the others on the bottom. Yeah. And I like that kind of that element of, of randomness. You never know exactly what other people have. The same when you win a skirmish, you take the card. Now, say I went first and I uh, I looked at the skirmish, I lose and Joe wins. I know what he's got, but Aaron hasn't got a clue. No. And if I look at it, decide I want it, make sure I win the skirmish, no one knows what I've got until it comes up. Yeah. So there's sort of some secrets there, whereas I know people that are very good at Dominion will know exactly how many victory points everyone around the table yeah. has got. They know all the information because you buy your cards openly. Yep. It's it's like blackjack versus poker. You know, blackjack, you can count all the cards if you're good at it and know exactly what's where at what time and know exactly what you're probably is you're winning sort of thing all the time. Is whereas poker there's always that risk somebody's got something you've not been able to see yeah yeah. obviously with randomness comes less control I've had a couple of games of Arctic Scavengers where I've dug and I've dug and I've dug till my hands were bleeding <laughs> and yet I could find no medicine and so I found it really really hard to recruit the the harder to get better members of the tribe yeah. um, but I do like I like the secrets yeah. and I like the bluffing and I like the fact that I don't know, Joe Joe wins the skirmish, he shuffles his deck because he's at the end of it, he pulls out a card, he smiles, he puts it down, he laughs to himself, and you're going, is he bluffing me? (laughs) Has he just pulled out a fire team, which is absolutely amazing, and will very much, almost guarantee you, they've got some stuff with them, um, whatever's next, (laughs) or is he sending a bottle of pills off on its own to roll <laughs> towards the uh, the encounter in the hope of uh, attracting someone? Yeah, yeah. Now you see, I think this is a... a... I guess it's a flaw, almost, of... Well, it's not a flaw, it's just a... Like you say, due to chance and everything. What, what tends to happen in these games? You get some games where and I know this is a criticism you have of a lot of games Brian where you get into a death spiral yes death spiral games where you're you feel you can't win that the other person's gained an advantage that you cannot get back from because and and you're by or then them doing well is weakening you because you've been weakened you then can't claw your way back etc yeah this does that but the other way round in that if you get the right cards at the right time you can rock it off to a massive lead Yes. And it can make it very difficult for people to catch you up. Yeah. If in one of your first skirmishes you draw that amazing card and then go, huh, I've got this for every other round now and I'm just going to keep smashing you in the face with it. Yeah. Yeah. It but can, there are there are ways yeah. round it. Oh, there always are. Um, but because you can recruit cards that like a sniper team to knock out that particular character yes. and yeah. things like that. Um, but yeah, you're right that the, the death spiral thing is um, a. I is think a it's more of a winning. Winning spiral than a death spiral. Yeah, you don't you don't find that I'm getting myself knocked out and eliminated from the game because you don't have player elimination. Yeah, no, but you do have someone that can just. I did really well, which means I got some more things, so I'm going to do better and better and better every yeah. turn when certain people can be left behind. Yeah, what what I do really like about Arctic Scavengers, uh, just as a sort of final point, is that there are no useless cards. You can, if you're very unlucky, get a handful of stuff that doesn't particularly work well together. But you can still bluff. And if you put five cards into the skirmish and one of the other players 
doesn't you know puts in lots of cards to fight that and it turns out that you've sent loads of spears and a refugee off yeah. to fight and they, you've got no chance of winning um but they've wasted good cards they could have done other things with. Yeah. You have successfully bluffed them into having a suboptimal turn and doing not the best possible action. So you can yeah. still have an effect with that, depending on how you play Especially it. Especially if you know what's in the middle. Yeah, whereas it's like Dominion, you might draw a huge handful of victory points and just be like, I can't actually do anything this go, over to you. And you just kind of pass your turn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously the better you get at the game the less likely that is to happen because you balance your deck as you build it mm. yeah so um, for more for a more detailed run through of Arctic Scavengers um, have a look at episode 6 part 1 um, we're going to skip forward in time then um, to 2015 mm. uh, last year and we're going to have a quick chat about the game Cthulhu Realms mm. that I bought last week mm-hmm. uh, because we wanted to do a podcast on deck building games, so we yeah. thought we should get some more. Um, yes. And there was a specific... I, I, I wanted to buy and play Mystic Veil, vale, um, but as that's the newest game, we're saving that for last. Yes. But I thought something else, something small, something very cheap, something quick. Mm-hmm. Um, Cthulhu Realms seemed to be a good sort of fit. Um Retails for 20 of your dollar monies. So in the UK, I think I picked it up for about £15, roughly. Um, Quite a nice little compact game. It's two to four players Mm -hmm. and plays supposedly in 25 to 45 minutes. What did we find when we played? Our Uh, first game was probably an hour and 15. Yeah. Yeah. But our second game was much quicker. Yeah. Yeah. So once you've played it once... I'd say 25 to 45 minutes is that accurate? Yeah. So Cthulhu Cthulhu Realms then, as I said, quite a small, um, fast-paced game that has a very, very direct player versus player mechanic. Mm. The idea is to drive your opponents mad by attacking them uh, with abilities, monsters, characters, artefacts that reduce their sanity. I quite like this game, but I think you two aren't as keen on it. We've played three games? Yeah. yeah. I could take it or leave it, to be honest with okay. you. Um, part of that's to do with the strict focus on combat, possibly. Okay. Uh, because there's the risk of player elimination. Yep. Even in a 25, 30 minute game, if you knock somebody out halfway through, that's somebody bored for the half the game. Yes, yeah. Um... That's, to be fair, that's a fairly new thing for deck builders. Most of yes. them don't have player elimination in yeah. No, they, which is one of the reasons I quite like deck builders, because you're always something for you to do, something for you to be involved mm-hmm. with. Uh, you know, we were playing it fairly egalitarian. Yeah, <laughs> we were to... dividing our damage up between each other yeah. and, and such like, but you could just all pick on Jeff and knock Jeff yeah. out. No, I, I could have eliminated you in that one game. I've been really sad, play. yeah. Because... The thing is, if if there's say there's four of you playing, mm. um, you could pick on one person and beat get them knocked out within ten minutes. Yeah. But the game's going to take you forty five minutes to an hour with that many players. Yeah. Um, at which point, you know, is that fun? Is that nice? Is that no, no. no. I, um, I, I, but this is a problem with any kind of game with player elimination. Oh, certainly, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not not something this is solely responsible for. If yeah. that makes sense. I think it's yeah. it's on the longer side of games that feature player elimination. Yeah, if there's a few of you, a lot of player elimination games, games that have player elimination in them, don't last as long. No, so that no one's left sitting out for uh, hours and hours at a time. Mm. I mean, I I remember being 18, 19, 20 thinking that poker was quite a cool thing to do Yeah. Uh, get together with my friends some of whom are here some of whom are dead in a barrel Jesus that was, a, that was a heavy bet wasn't it? yes well, don't don't fucking owe me money Ravinsky <laughs> um, but yeah um, people get, get really excited about poker uh, ordering pizzas getting some beer in sitting around put some money in and then getting knocked out and it being three hours till we started playing poker again yeah, yeah. 
to the point where we would have the Xbox on um, with Halo or something yeah. like that and for people to go and play. Yeah. But then you're not playing poker. Are you no. having, you're just having a Halo night because you're shit at poker. <laughs> yeah, Because you, you're a gullible fool <laughs> and fool for every bluff or you get easily bored and go all in on everything. Yeah. It's... It's odd. I, player elimination to me, uh, part of the reason I play games is to have fun with my friends, and it completely puts me off if one of them's not having fun. Yeah. And sometimes it's fun to pick on someone because that's what people do. Yeah, and yeah, might be, be a bit mean, like Colin would pick on Colin. Yeah. As um, the weakest member of the group. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's not his fault that he didn't have any calcium growing up. <laughs> but if you grab him at either end, you can twang him like a rubber band. It goes for miles. Um, anyway, um, yeah, so player elimination to me is it's a tricky thing. I think it's something that board games maybe have struggled with. Yeah, because they're not generally quick. Uh, to be fair, it's something that's so... I mean, they've they've clearly gone. We want to make a Cthulhu game based around madness, as a lot of them are. Yeah, yeah. and going crazy. But to to compare it actually um, to other similar games, if you look at Lantern that we'll be doing a review of, mm-hmm. and we've played some more of the playtest. Yeah. Um, it will be really nice to to have something like that where once you are eliminated, you do something else. Yes. Um, because you're not part of the main group anymore, but you still have a chance to play and interfere and win. Yeah, yeah. So a bit of player elimination can actually add a bit of spice to a game because it adds some stakes to yes. what's going on. Yeah. If you mess up or if you don't play well, then you can you can actually lose lose. You could be out of the game. Mm. So it can a lot of people quite like that. It yeah. adds something that you don't get from sitting around the table. Yeah. Um, you can play more sort of desperate last minute gambits and things like that where you're you're trying to stave off the inevitable and try something crazy whereas maybe in a game where everyone's still going to be playing you just carry on plodding along and such like Um, there are some elements I do like about it yeah yeah um, Um, you don't notice this much in the two player game but the three and four player games you have different lanes essentially of buying uh, yeah, you can, you can buy the cards. Um, e- each person, as you sit around the table, ha- you're divided into sections um, by having a line of purchasable cards between each player. Yeah, yeah. So, as we were playing three player, there was a line between me and Aaron, a line between Aaron and Brian, and a line between me and Brian. And that allowed, so I could only buy the things next to me. So there's one lot of pit thing cards I can't buy. Yeah, yeah. But you could still affect those cards by using some of the abilities. You could yes. essentially banish some of those cards yep. um, as long as they were the cheaper cards. You could banish them. So you could go, well, I can't buy that, but I know that will fit really nicely in Aaron's hand, so I'm going to eliminate that Yeah. Um, before he gets a chance to buy it. Yeah. That was quite For cool. instance, that's yeah. quite good. I really like that. I think that's yeah. quite nice because normally in deck building, you just have your shopping list if you like yeah. in the middle of the board yeah. that's available to everyone yeah. this added a little bit of sort of variety a little bit of jealousy like oh, they've got really yeah. nice stuff you've, um, got, you've got the crazy man I wanted the crazy man yeah. yeah and then there's sort of tactical things as well so I'm looking and going well I know Aaron's not going to want that and Joe can't buy that so I'll buy some. I'll buy the thing I think Joe wants before he does, and I'll wait till my next turn and hopefully buy that one. And then Joe says it out loud, and Aaron screws him over anyway yeah. by banishing the uh, <laughs> the deep ones. You the banished ones, yeah. oh, the poor deep ones. <laughs> you buried them even deeper. Yes. Um, <laughs> there is one other aspect I'm not very happy with with the game though. Yep. Um, the order you do things with the cards. Yes. Is completely open essentially you put all your cards in front of you and then do the stuff on them in order which sounds like a really good thing apart from in practice it's very easy to get lost with what you're doing yes yeah um i would much rather because yeah like you said like dominion you go i'm going to use this this i'm going to use this to do this and draw a card then i'm going to play this and it's going to do this and i'm going to play this and that's going to happen yes rather than playing a card activating it completing it moving on you can play that and use one of its abilities and then play this so you can access its second ability and then you'll play that one and that one and then activate this which then means you can activate these two things and 
you know, you're playing with five cards, but yeah. the amount of times we missed stuff because yeah. you're getting confused or you try and use something twice and everyone else has to yeah. know you've already done that. Yeah. It starts Which, if you're paying attention to your own deck, yeah. in your own hand and figuring out what you're going to do, means you can't then, you're not paying enough attention to catch things. And it's, I think like you mentioned, Aaron, it's very open to abuse potentially. It is. If you've got a player who's particularly prone to excessive competition, what I have to win no matter what, and admittedly you probably won't be playing with people like that, I would hope, because they're not, <laughs> they're not very nice. But, but there are entire gaming groups that play like that. I know a couple of groups yeah. that have lots of those sorts of players in because they all enjoy the same thing. Yeah, it's very true. But you're just going to have rampant cheating all over the place because, like you said, you're trying to plan your turn, but... You, they can't keep track of it so how are you supposed to when they're the ones not putting out all the cards out in front of them necessarily straight away it's it's really rampant and open for abuse yeah I think I, th- I, I think any kind of game like this where you've got this card does this which then affects that which then does this that then does this is open to that kind of thing so I think the game's three form nature sort of does open it up even more because it starts off fairly simple. The cards you've got have one or two abilities on them. When you're getting towards the end game, you might lay out five cards, draw two more using an ability, have seven cards in front of you, each of which has got two or three abilities on it, mm. with various prerequisites. So you need to trigger things in order, and yeah. you can get you can get a little bit lost yeah. in what you're doing. And I found what we were doing is we were sort of breaking it down into, right, I'm going to do all my healing abilities first and heal myself. Then I'm going to do all my... Um, sort of buying and purchasing bits mm-hmm. and then I'm going to allocate who I damage with my attacks yeah. and then we kind, of, we kind of made our own little informal way of coping with that yeah, yeah. I think the moment you say you have to do something in this order then this order and then this order the, the game the game just wouldn't work it would slow down it, it would play some, very differently it loses some of its fluidity doing that yeah, yeah. now what I think this would work really nice as is a digital game. Yeah. Because it tracks it all for you. Yeah. yeah. yeah or yeah. having, like, it would be ridiculous with the game as it is, but something to mark what you've used. Or yeah, to sort of put over is, the top of the markers. Um, but Even, I, don't, I wouldn't want more tokens because... Mm, the, and then you get more confusing. Well, no, it's not that. At the moment, you have you score your madness levels with a section of uh-huh. very small heads that are next to each other on a page because there's 55 of them yeah. and you move a little token around that's not very big or weighty and there's been a couple of times where if you breathe too heavily it moves yeah. and that's another criticism I have, I don't like the way they do the scoring I don't think there's necessarily a cheap enough better way of doing it Yeah. for the price point the game's aiming at but I'm not keen Yeah. yeah. Is... Oh, see, I didn't really have a problem with that I, 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 liked, I liked the scoring what I liked was it it did feel a bit like a Call of Cthulhu style game in the it's like it reminds me of the role play game where you've got a sanity count yeah. and it goes down yeah. it goes down but it can go up you can heal yourself yeah, yeah. Um, I, I liked the theme I'm a big fan of Cthulhu and HP Lovecraft and that style of horror um, yeah same um, and I like the little the little nods and things that were in there so you have the Necronomicon, you have yeah. the King in Yellow, you have the Deep Ones, yeah. you have Dagon. You have lots and lots of stuff in there that's from the mythos, if yeah. you like. So for me as, as a fan, maybe maybe that was more appealing. Maybe it's, I'm partly drawn to the theme more. I do think the theme helps... Again, yeah. I think we're all we're all fans of the yeah, theme. Yeah, we are. Yeah, and yeah. I like the art style used as yeah, well. Definitely. I think it's very nice. It's kind of almost a cutesy Cthulhu thing because it's it's <laughs> kind of almost making fun of itself. I just, it's not a bad game. I think if you're a really big Cthulhu fan like Brighton is, you'll yeah. quite happily get over the what to be honest are quite petty complaints we've got about it. Yeah, there's nothing yeah. wrong with it. It works. Well, it's, it's balanced. It's good fun. It's just. I think deck builders have got to the point now. There's so many of them that it has to be pretty stunning to stand out. Yeah, yeah. I think that there's there's a few little nitty gritty bits in there. Um, it felt very fast, especially at the beginning. It's like I do this, I do this, I do a damage to you, and yeah. I do a damage to you. Bang, 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 bang. You yeah. go around very, very quickly, um, which I liked for the first 
little while and then to the I, second half it, it slowed down. a bit down yeah it slowed down quite a bit towards the end yeah. because you've got so many complicated abilities and such like it's like an ongoing D&D campaign towards the end turns took forever yes yeah. you've got too many abilities yes um I think yeah. the instructions were great, to be honest. No, they, if, they gave me a few headaches looking yeah. through. I think if the instructions were maybe just given an example, like we did, we broke them down, saying, mm. you know, if you're struggling to keep track, do that. you could do this, this and this, and give it a kind of... Yeah. A, it a does say move a card to the side when, when, you th- when you're done with it. Well, quite says, often you're bouncing across. This is yeah. it. it says, <coughs> you might want to move... Yeah, it says you might want to move a card to the side when you've used some or all of its abilities. But if I've put it over there and then I want to use another one of the abilities, we, I'm still in the exact same position of trying to remember what I have and haven't used. So yeah, I don't, yeah. I yeah. don't think that becomes a solution in any way. To be honest, <laughs> yeah. but I do think one, we we got into that rhythm of sort of doing things, or doing all of one type of thing. Yeah. Me buying things doesn't affect you guys, so I'll get that out of the way. Me yeah. healing myself doesn't affect you guys, I'll get that out of the way. And then we started going, right, then I do this to you, that to you, and I yeah. do these things. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I, I really enjoyed playing Cthulhu Realms. I'd quite happily play that more often. I play it again. Um, I've played it two player and three player. I'd quite like to see how it plays four player. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think, with, if I'm honest, two player, because we played it two player. Yeah, it it wasn't very good. No, it wasn't. I don't find any kind of deck building style games interesting to play no. because one person just tends to very quickly get ahead. It yes. feels like that quite often. Yeah, I don't um, know why, but it just seems. No, I that think that's that's fairly accurate. I think it's the same with many board games, two player, unless they've had that specifically designed in yeah. as soon as one player's slightly head on points or something else the other player starts losing interest yeah. I think with with um, like say playing Arctic Scavengers uh, two player you would someone will win the fight for the skirmish for the the shiny thing they'd then use the, the shiny thing to win the next one or the one after mm-hmm. And it would become very easy for them to start gobbling up everything. That weird spiral um, And I think earlier. Cthulhu Realms becomes very much like well, that Cthulhu when Realms, we, you when we that, played again, that, It was that death spiral. Yeah, that, yeah. I got a bit ahead, I got some protection down, and then went, I'm immune to all of your piddly bits of damage, while I could keep doing... Could keep niggling at me. Um, yeah, and I couldn't, I couldn't get rid of your, your protection. Whereas, um, if there were more players... I could do my piddly bits of damage to someone else. You'd yes. have to spread your damage about, yep. potentially. It, it, yeah, it, it does, it, it it does change the feel. Um, um, but yeah, I'd happily play um, quite a lot more of Darwin Castle's Cthulhu Realms. Um, I would happily play more. I just think... But it's not going to be the first game you grab off the shelf. No. 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 That's fair enough. Mm. Cool. Um before we jump yeah. into our final game, yeah. Yeah, I would like to make a, uh, a mention of something that isn't something we're covering, that if people okay. like deck builders, they should potentially look into. Okay. Um, me, and, me and Brian have recently played Thunderstone. We played the Numenera version. Yes. And that adds a couple of new elements in. You are fighting monsters in a dungeon rather than fighting each other, but you're... It was just a nice different take. It was quite. It's a bit like having a role play campaign, which is Numenera is a role playing system. It so it was like having that kind of that fantasy. I mean, it's got some sciencey bits in. It's like a science fantasy. Yeah. yeah. But it was like having a fantasy role playing game, but with cards, where you would recruit adventurers from the pub. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it. we all met in a pub, and there was a notice that said bounty on this monster Um, and we went and we fought the monster and we came back and and we were better at fighting and you kind of level characters up by trading in cards for higher harder versions you buy equipment you can hire mercenaries to go in with you so like having like followers for your group and it it had that that kind of feel to it it was it was it was a fun game I quite enjoyed it yeah I like the fact you have you have a dungeon that um, has level 1, 2 and 3 the further in the dungeon you get the darker it is so the more powerful the fallen monsters are yeah. that was quite cool unless you took enough light with you to, to but then the down. light cards yeah. aren't doing a lot else yeah, but okay. they could be so really actually, useful yeah. Yeah. so as, a, as an honourable mention 
yeah. if people like that kind of thing and are into their fantasy roleplay type stuff or just the Numenera setting yeah and you like deck builders, I would definitely recommend you go and check that out. Uh, I had a lot of fun playing it, and that's something I'd quite happily play again. Yeah, cool. that one had no direct player conflict. No, but it did feel like we were, did, we were trying to do things like, oh, well, I reckon you, I've seen what you've got, you can probably kill that, so I'm going to try and kill that one instead. Yes, because, yeah. So it wasn't direct conflict, but there was more... There's stuff. a lot of passive-aggressive. He's got a lot of strong fighters so I'm going to buy up all the next level of strong before so he, he can level them up yeah yeah. It, it was it was interesting I, I very much enjoyed it it's a step up from Dominion but probably not quite as much as Arctic Scavengers okay nice nice mid-level thing. So I yeah. think it's it's as developed as Arctic Scavengers but in a different direction yeah it's less PvP focused yes but it's still a nice it, if, if say for you and your wife mm. wanted something a bit of a step up from Dominion and you're not into the conflict that Arctic Scavengers brings. Thunderstone is a nice way to look at it. And I mean, I believe the one we played is just a reskin of the normal one. I think it was just the Numenera flavoured yeah. Thunderstone, yeah. from what we were told. Yes. Cool. Um, yeah. So yeah. Anyway, cool. on to the star of the show. So yeah. yeah. So Mystic <laughs> Veil, vale, um, which I've been eagerly looking forward to get my hands on ever since I first heard about it. Um, Mystic Veil, vale, you play a druid. You play kind of a clan of druids. A sect. Yeah, a sect. <laughs> a division a division of druids. Cult. A dark, deicidal division of deep... Tribe? Do, do, uh, yeah, I ran out of Ds. So, your dru- what, what are we doing with our sects yeah. of druids? So, in... <laughs> sex, sex of druids. <laughs> you have to hold them up and lift up their... Yeah. <laughs> lift up their, their gowns? Dro- robes. Robes. Dr- yeah. robes, yes. <laughs> And possibly long beardy hairs just to get everything out of the way. Well, hopefully if they've got a giant beard, they're male. Well, not necessarily. All, all druids grow beards, little known fact. Yep. Oh, they're like dwarves. Yes. <laughs> cool. Excellent. Um, it's it's something to do with the big stones they stand in. Yeah. Let's protect them from the thicket bushes they have to hang around in. Yes. <laughs> Ridiculous, isn't it? <laughs> Tiny woodland creatures live in them. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, Mystic Vow, you play a sect of druids. And your cards represent the land. The land has been cursed, it has been damaged and ruined. Mm. Uh, so you have 20 cards. Now, for a deck builder, that's quite a lot. Yeah. Normally you start with about 10. Mm-hmm. However, you will end the game with 20 cards. Yes. So, Brian, I hear you cry across time and space and the internet. So, Brian... <laughs> How do you build a deck? That's what I was hoping you'd say next. <laughs> you just said I'd shout so Brian. <laughs> I thought I left a hanging pause. Which so would actually not. be my druidic name, were I a druid. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Brian, how do you then progress in a game where you're not buying cards? So each of the cards uh, has three sections to it. Yeah. And when you buy your upgrades, when you buy... Some of them might be creatures, some of them might be alterations to the landscape. You take those you take the card with the ability on, which is printed onto see-through plastic. Apart from one of those three slots, which is covered with um, the upgrade itself, and you slot it in. So the cards are inside deck protectors. You've got a little plastic yeah. wallet that holds each card. You slot that in, and so you build your own cards. You don't add more cards to your deck. You upgrade the cards you already have. Yes, you yeah. modify and change the cards that you have. And it's I really like that. I quite like stuff that's different and quirky mechanically. Mm. If anyone listening has played Gloom, yes. it's very similar. You're stacking things on top of each other to d- do different effects. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm surprised there haven't been more of that I've seen it in a couple of other games but I'm surprised there hasn't been more made of that kind of game there is a um, I think I believe it's called Redakai that's a Magic the Gathering style game where you do that you play buffs and debuffs on top of yours and your opponent's cards really cool idea Um, the big failing I think that has if you go to a tournament and me and you are playing against each other, Aaron and I go, cool, I put this on there, this on there, this on there. At the end of it, I then go, which ones were mine? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. When you're, uh, it doesn't work in games like that. Self-contained things like Mystic Veil, it's awesome. Yes, um, but I think that might be a problem as well. Yeah. Sorry, it's in self-contained games. No, it should, yeah. it should be utilised more. Yeah, yeah. I believe um, that AEG that make it. Yeah. Um, are going to be making more games using this system. Yeah, they have they, called it their card crafting system. And this yeah. is the first of their games to use. Now, because yeah. they yeah. said it's the first of their games, it hopefully means more will appear. I hope so. And not yeah. just be reskins of this. I got really excited when another company did this. Um, Dead of Winter by Plaid Hat did Crossroads game. Yes. Yeah. And they did Dead of Winter. And I love Dead of Winter. And we talked about it a lot in... Yeah. Uh, again in our post-apocalyptic special um, and yeah it's Dead of Winter is probably one of my favourite games ever Yeah, and they were like a Crossroads game thus indicating there would be other Crossroads games and there are now yeah there is another version of Dead of Winter oh is They've it called Life of Summer <laughs> <laughs> Mist of oh, spring. You're easily amused. <laughs> fall of autumn. A fall of autumn is. If you're American, that's just autumn of autumn. In fact, it's autumn of something because they don't know what autumn is. Because they call it fall because the leaves fall down. Simple terms aside. They call, they call spring up, up growy time. The summer's just called hot. What are you hot, do? What are you doing during fall, hot? snow, and babies? Yeah. Although they do have, they do have spring break, which is the break that they have from school in spring. Yeah, we have the summer holidays though, so we can't really like slack that off a lot because summer holidays just sounds a bit more. You know, it's a holiday, it's not break. Right? Is that just because that's what we're used to, Brian? Oh, now you're getting into cultural relativism. Yes. In a hope to steer back towards the mystic yes. land of druids. Mm. So, speaking of Marxism. Um, yes. Um, just a whinge about there not being more Crossroads games, because I think it's a great mechanic. Mm. As yeah. is this. Yeah. yeah, and I really like the way they, um, they, they've they kind of taken so that exists, the deck builder, and yeah. they've done something different with it. Now, turned into a more literal deck builder because you you're actually constructing cards yes it's a it's a deck builder and a card builder yeah um because it's not just a case of going that would be really good in my deck it's a case of that'd be really good in my deck do i currently have a card it fits in because you can't buy it and add it to something that you don't currently have yeah so all my middle slots are used that really cool thing i can buy i can't can't go in it yeah um you also have the. They use a nice system of um, decay and growth. Yeah. So yeah. the idea is um, when you first start, you flip over. Uh, actually, I'll quickly hand over to Brian for what comes in your. What do you get that's basic in your 20 cards? You've got nine cursed land cards, mm-hmm. uh, three where the cursed land fills up the bottom slot, three where it fills up the middle slot, and three where it fills up the top. You've got three fertile soils, one for each level, mm-hmm. and you have eight completely blank cards with nothing on them. Yeah. And what you do at the start of, uh, well, you've got to do it at the end of your turn so you can prepare, yeah. um, is you um, you ha- you reveal cards and you keep putting more cards down next to each other until you've got three decay. Yeah. Revealed. Yeah. And that generally will be three separate cards with decay on, although if you build your cards in a certain way you could end up with more than one yeah. decay on a, on a single it's, card. You generally don't want that. Yeah. Um what it's quite odd because you have what they call your on deck card, which you flip over rather than putting the card into the field, which is where everything is sort of growing, and it's got the kind of feel of sort of what's gonna grow in this season or this yeah. year. Right, this year um, this is these are what's developing. This is what's growing. You could put one on on top of your of your deck, um, so it's not actually in the field. Nope. So you'll 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 start your go generally with a bunch of cards across the middle. It will have a different number of mana. Later on, it will have different abilities or characters or creatures or whatever in there, and then you'll have a card on on the top of your deck that is what they're going to plant next if they want to risk decaying their land more. 
So you've got a push your luck mechanic. You can take that card, put it at the end, and then flip another card over to be your on deck card. But if that also has a decay on it, then you have completely ruined, you, you've done too much, you've ruined the land, and you scrap everything and you miss your go. Yes. Now you do get an extra mana to spend. You flip over a token, that, uh, each player has a single token. Yeah. You flip it over and you can then use that in later turns as an extra mana. So, yeah. so if, if it's a case of I can't buy anything right now, but if I got that extra mana I could, I'm going to push my luck. You're not always necessarily risking everything to yeah. do this. And it's yeah. a nice way of then being able to think, because I did it quite a lot of going, I'll push my luck now because it's an early turn yeah. and I want that three cost, but I've only got two mana. So if I don't get it, I'm almost guaranteed to get it later. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it adds a new mechanic in that you don't normally see in deck builders, this mm-hmm. idea of sort of pushing your luck yeah. and sort of seeing what will what you can get away with yeah and there's there's cards that bounce off of that so you might have um, a particular type of character that goes if you're going to spoil so you're going to spoil the season um, by flipping another decay you can actually d- discard that and, and try again and yeah. see if you can get away with it um, you've got cards that let you search your deck and discard things so you might look through for one of your cursed lands and discard it shuffle your deck again and then you're less likely to draw it yeah. or you have cards that allow you to discard one that you've already put into your field yeah which is again quite a nice little mechanic yeah so you draw it later on you go right and you go back through the field yeah I'll take out that cursed land and hope to get something better yeah, yeah. Um, and what I really like is because it's a game about growing and developing your land and developing you start off with lots of blank slates it's quite weird actually when we first played I was like Am I playing this right? Because I'm just flicking over lots of yeah. empty cards. This is really strange. Um, and I like my first ever hand in this game, I had like eight cards in front mm. of me. All and I'm like, have I done this right? It feels really <laughs> weird. Um, but you sort of soon get used to that and you start building onto those, those things. So you've got those blank slates because you're going to grab something, slot it in. Yeah, yeah move on you can buy a couple things a turn as well so you can quite quickly start to develop you might spot a combo so you might spot okay I'm going to buy that monster that's going to give me lots of victory points each turn it comes up but it also it has more decay in it so I'm also going to buy this other little little card that will slot into the the opposite side of the card um, and counteract the decay yeah. of, that that monster's generating, meaning that card's not a negative. One thing I was doing a lot is my um, my decay cards that I started with in my deck, I was looking for the things that were available to buy that I could slot in with it to neutralise that. Mm. So, And in yeah. my mind, that feels like you're the druids, you're looking and going, something terrible's happened here, right let's replant let's build let's cultivate this land and undo the damage so it feels like you're developing an area of land in my yeah, mind yeah. each card represents a different area of your i was going to say kingdom but your territory your, your dominion um, your <laughs> druidic dominion um your yeah your, your, your mystic veil your mystic veil that, <laughs> that sounds a bit like something 70s hippies would refer no it doesn't (laughs) Um, so Um, yeah (laughs) I mean where where you've mentioned that you were looking to try and neutralise the decay that was in there yeah I was trying uh, that's not uh, an approach I took I tried to either concentrate my decay and neutralise it with a card but there are certain there's different levels of cards that do it in different ways there are cards that take all but one decay off a card there are cards that take all of them there is one that takes away one decay but also one mana which I noticed you two used and in the the games we've played I didn't buy a single one of those because I looked at that as a really bad economy Um, so I took more of a let's make a few really good cards to get to and just try and ignore the ones that have got decay on and hope they don't turn up too much. I found in the second game I was playing that making the decay cards much better just by adding more mana mm. through the fertilised lands yeah. meant that, okay, well, I might have only drawn three cards, cause, well, two cards, because they're all, yeah, but there's loads of mana on there. Yeah, because they're, they're, they're the blocks there. As you're revealing your cards, you could reveal, in theory, if you you'd get your hand right, you could reveal every single one of your 20 cards. Yes, yeah. 
every turn if you've built it correctly. Yeah. Now, probably won't one, be much of the game left at that point because no. once all the victory points have been claimed from the centre of the table, mm-hmm. the game ends. Yeah. Now, one of the things I did want, I do want to bring up because I think we've mentioned this yet. Most deck builders, like we've said before, have your shopping list, as it were, in the middle. Yeah. Now, what this does is this takes the way that Thunderstone did dungeons actually and so you have your level 1 your level 2 your level 3 upgrades in the middle and you put 3 of each out yeah so 3 level 1s 3 level 2s 3 level 3s and as they're bought they get replaced by random ones off the deck yeah now this means that I might go I really want that and then Brian buys it so I then have to reassess my plan which I quite like whereas in something like Dominion you've got the set list that you dealt out at the beginning, mm-hmm. you work out the puzzle and your approach, and then you kind of just play that. Yeah, yeah. yeah so this had quite this a is, nice, again, it's nice yeah. fluidity to it. It changes, yeah. yeah. You've got to kind of adjust your plans on the fly because someone's bought what you wanted yeah. or yeah. that kind of thing. I like games like that that yes, definitely. change. Now, one of the other sort of cards we've not mentioned as well is you have your mana, which you use to buy these upgrades to upgrade your cards. Uh-huh. Another thing you also generate is you generate energy. Yes. So there are three or four types of energy. There is the claws, so the animal side of things, the sun, the plants. Yes. I believe that's everything. And then you've got wild card as yes. well. You use these to buy veils. So you might buy a sunlit pond or uh, uh, the Ent Elders, I believe, was another yeah. one. Um, Council events, was it? Or? Yeah, some, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, some, some Lord of the Ringsy Tolkien thing. And these are mostly victory points, but a lot of them have effects like get a wild card energy every turn, yeah, gain two mana every turn. Yeah. And so while there are cards you can buy in upgrades that give you bonuses and your victory points that you need to win, veils do seem to be a very key mechanic. Yeah. And you can buy two upgrades and two veils every turn. Yeah. So yeah. there's two sh- separate shopping lists getting generated by different resources as the game progresses and you can just focus on one or you can try and split what did you guys think then Um, because I was attracted to it by the new mechanic the slotting the different plastic cards in which I loved Um, but these sorts of things they can either be like a brand new evolution or a brand new style of game Mm. like the deck builder itself was Mm -hmm. um like the idea of having a hidden betrayer in a game was when that was like a brand new thing yeah. uh, like Battlestar Galactica yeah. and Shadows of Camelot in sort of mm-hmm. first games to do that sort of thing uh, popularly um, or was it just a gimmick because it could just be oh they've had this really cool idea but it doesn't work it feels somewhere down the middle to me yeah. it's not quite innovative enough to go right every game from now on has to do this because it's amazing or it's just new side of things yeah but I really enjoyed it as a mechanic yeah I would like to see it implemented more but I don't think it's going to have the same kind of cascading effect that deck build you know Dominion had on deck builders kind of thing it is really interesting and it does make you approach a game a little bit differently yeah which is fun I thought it's I think it's amazing I love Mystic Bell mm, um, yeah I, do. I have enjoyed that more than most deck builders I've played yeah um, mostly because I really like the mechanic of building your own cards. Yeah. Um, the number of combinations there is it's phenomenal. Pheno- yeah, it's, it's absolutely staggering. amazing. It is, yeah. um, and to see people approaching it in different ways, and because it's not just I buy, because you have Dominion, and it is very obviously that works with this, that works with this, it works with this, and so that's there. Good there is a solution to the puzzle. Yeah, and you might find two different solutions that you think might work. Yeah, yeah. but. I think that Mystic Vale offers you a lot more potential solutions to any yeah. of the puzzles it's asking, uh, the questions it's asking, and and I like that. Um, I think <coughs> that this isn't again. I, I agree with Aaron. It's not something that's going to feature in every game, mm. but I'd be very very interested to see what they're going to do with it in the future, and yeah, it definitely. will be something that pulls me towards looking at their games more seriously if yeah. I see it's got this involved. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I, I liked it, but I feel it does suffer again from a lack of player interaction. It's a very passive game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can you can kind of look and go, oh, I'm going to buy that before someone else gets it, or that's the most, obviously, the best veil to try and buy at the beginning of the game, and let's buy this and this. But 
I I like a game with a bit more interaction. So that that's why for me, I've enjoyed playing Arctic Scavengers and Cthulhu Realms more than Mystic mm. Vale. I like the fact they've done something new and something different with it and that's really interesting now if they can get that into something with a competitive aspect then I will throw my money at them yeah I, I think that it will it might even be an expansion or something they work on but yeah. one of the things that I do find interesting about Mystic Vale it's very open as a system Yeah, um, there isn't any this is my hand this is what I'm doing you lay your field out in front of you yeah there's no hiddenness to it. Yeah. In the same way that I very much enjoy Dice Masters over things like Magic the Gathering, because again, you're not hiding anything at any point. Yeah. You're not necessarily bluffing, which I love bluffing games. Yeah. But in things like this, I like the fact that you don't have to mess around with that. You you have your cards in front of you. Yeah. Now, most of the time we were finding we weren't going, so you've got this, 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 this. What, how does, what are you doing we're there? Yeah. But you could look over and go, You've got lots of mana symbols, you're going to have a big turn. You've not got so many, so if you don't buy the card I want, you're probably not going to be able to, so I'm just probably going to get that. And it allows you to plan a little bit more. Yeah. Um, And I very much liked that side of things. Yeah, I did. I found it... I think, like with Cthulhu Realm stuff, like competitively, yeah, but probably felt a bit more engaging. Mechanically, this felt far more satisfying. Oh, yes. You know, Mm. it it was... I felt more rewarded for going this does this does this does this you feel like you're being that extra little bit of clever yeah. because you're putting the, the things together and then and then by chance drawing the ones that all and you go da, 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 I've just used 12 of my cards and got all the stuff and bought yeah. this thing yeah the thing it's, I like the most yeah. about Mystic Vale is being able to push your luck yeah yeah because you don't see that very often in this kind of game I can't think of any other game any other deck building game with a push your luck mechanic I'm sure people will contact us and let us know the 17 games that do so that I've missed (laughs) Um, but I like that I liked being able to go right oh I've got 6 mana and I really want that 7 is it worth pushing right I know I've got 20 cards I used 6 last time I've used that many cursed cards right da 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 and you're trying to sort of manipulate probability that's why I liked neutralising the decay yeah. because it then for me I mean you could push your luck I more. could push my luck more yeah. um, I could I was manipulating the probability of the game yeah. and not necessarily just by buying more of a certain type of card but by combining the different components yeah. in an interesting way yeah, making the choices and I did like that but after playing a couple games of it I was kind of like I've been in the same room as my friends for two hours and we haven't really talked about anything because we're all looking at what we're doing is that just because we're learning the game though? yeah I found the first game of Cthulhu Realms we played there was lots of yeah, it between was yourselves. Still, yeah. Whereas the second time round, it's oh, but he's look, look, Brian, he's doing this, and oh, look, look, this is going yeah. on. I think because Mystic Vale is more complicated. If you're going to get to the point where you're comfortable, sort of making your decisions and chatting and knowing what you're doing, it's going to take longer to get there. It's much more, more games yeah. because it's a, it's very, it has the potential to be very complex. The systems aren't complicated, but there's a lot of depth to them. Yeah, but the game being how it is there is also a lot of combinations and replayability in there because yeah. you're very rarely going to get the same thing happen yeah. twice yeah. And I think one of the things I, I like about doing this podcast and talking about games in the way we do and getting quite deep into looking at them we're going to do a review of Mystic Vale mm-hmm. uh, it'll be our next uh, our next video review I think because I think there's so much to say about it that yeah. we kind of want to sit down yeah and show people rather than just talk about it on a podcast yeah um, actually sort of show it in action and, and that kind of thing um, but one of the things I really like about Dennis is that different people play games for different reasons different people get different things out of games and different people find different things satisfying within a game um, and it's quite interesting it's opened my eyes to different kind of play styles or different people's points of view having sort of sat down and you're going oh I like it because of this this and this and I'm going oh well that's exactly why I'd, I didn't like it for instance uh, on different things mm. um, and so 
obviously when it, we come to talking about a game, I think it's good that we've got three different voices. Yeah. We've got areas that we agree on. Oh, yeah. Well, otherwise, we'd never be able to play any games together at all. But it's it's interesting, you, hopefully for you, you people listening at home or in the car, upside down on a bus, wherever it is you might be, in the woods, lost and alone. Um, well, I'm not alone. I've got to listen to everyone's alone to distract them from the murders <laughs> um, but yeah um, is that I'm not like massively excited I will play Mystic Van again and I'll be interested but I won't want to play it three or four times in a row but you are, you might you might be going that sounds amazing so hopefully we've yeah, given well. you enough information to make your own mind up hmm. I probably would play it yeah, immediately actually yeah, yeah. quite Same happily here. yeah Hopefully that's given you sort of some knowledge of the genre as a whole, bit of a history to it, um, and a bit of a, a an overview of some of the games with uh, within there. If you've got a particular favourite deck builder that you think we should play, uh, especially given our disagreements in you know, our individual taste and the, mm. the way we look at things, if you think there's something that we'd all massively jump on, that could be quite interesting. Ooh. Or if you want to give Aaron something to to play away from us or anything like that um, or something I can play with other equally horrible people who just like to be really mean to each other and lie that'd be great um, then please um, let us know um, um, yeah so so thank you uh, thank you very much for listening uh, I've been Brian Ennis I've been Aaron Visky and I've been Joe Lewin we have been the Critical Twits uh, we look forward to hearing from you bye bye